You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. nice to have someone on your side when there's scheming and there's plotting and there's kind of things happen. Someone that's going to go to bat for you. Someone that's going to stand in the gap for you. We have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ the righteous. And when we mess up, he's there. He's our advocate. He's our lawyer. He's the one up there. He's the one that died for our sin. He's the one saying, God the Father, when Satan goes, look at Dave. Did you see what Dave just did? Wait a minute. He's mine. My death paid for that sin. He's one of mine. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, to righteous. I love that. Have you ever wanted nothing more than to have a friend or companion that stands by your side through thick and thin? Did you know that as a believer in Christ, you already have that? In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the bond between David and Jonathan and how it points to the faithfulness of Christ. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18 as he continues his message, Saul the Great Schemer. So David ends up with Saul's youngest daughter as his wife. But Saul's obsession with killing David grows and grows and grows and grows. His twisted emotions have control over him. And this is what happens when we don't allow the Spirit of God to guide us and keep us. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. When I am in the flesh, I have no self-control. I have no self-control when I am in the flesh. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And I love verses 28 and 29. The Lord, the, this, thus Saul, thus Saul, Saul, and knew that the Lord was with David and his daughter. His daughter loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. The kings knew that God was with David. I love that. I really do. When we communicate things with the Spirit, people know that God is with you. I have to admit, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, but I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I have to admit that sometimes I act in the flesh. Sometimes I act out in the flesh, and there are times when I have to ask and repent and ask for forgiveness for acting out in the flesh. I have a flesh, and it rears its ugly head sometimes. The Scripture says that the flesh and the Spirit are at enmity with one another. There's a battle going on for supremacy of my body. And I have to admit, sometimes the flesh wins. I don't want it to, but it does. And at that time, then I have to go back to the Lord and I have to repent. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I need to confess. Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it that way. But even as we close out chapter 18 and move into chapter 19, Saul continues to scheme and try to get things to accomplish what he wants them to accomplish. Let's look at verses 1 to 3 and 19. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. 
Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. I love this. I love you. David has an advocate. David has an advocate. His name is Jonathan. Remember, they made a covenant. Jonathan and David made a covenant together because of the great love they had for other, each other. They made a covenant. You know, it's really nice to have someone on your side. It's nice to have someone on your side when there's scheming and there's plotting and those kind of things happen. Someone that's going to go to bat for you. Someone that's going to stand in the gap for you. We have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ the righteous. And when we mess up, he's there. He's our advocate. He's our lawyer. He's the one up there. He's the one that died for our sin. He's the one saying, God the Father, when Satan goes, look at Dave. Did you see what Dave just did? Wait a minute. He's mine. My death paid for that sin. He's one of mine. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I love that. I love that. Because we're children of the Most High God. We're his children. If God is for us, who can be against us? There will always be those who come against you. There will always be those with different opinions, different attitudes, and different agendas. But our hope is in God, and he will never disappoint. God doesn't disappoint. If you're hoping in man, man will disappoint you. And I've said this before. I'm not afraid of it again. If you're placing your hope in, this, in me, you're in trouble, because I will disappoint you. Don't want to. Not my want to disappoint you, but because I have flesh, I will. I try not to, but I will. Put your hope in God. God never disappoints. God never disappoints you. Jonathan goes into the field and speaks with his dad about David. Imagine that conversation was pretty cool. Look at 4 and 5. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to his Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, talking about Goliath. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Jonathan goes to bat for his friend. Goes to bat. Saul relents. Saul basically relents. He says, okay, David's not going to be killed. Look at 6 and 7. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, swore. Remember this, Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in time past. Wow. He brings him into the presence of the king. Saul says, as the Lord lives, he will not be killed. Wow. I'm surprised lightning didn't just fry him right then. I'm surprised that he just didn't get killed right there on the spot. Swearing to God? Swearing to the Lord? What he knew in his heart? See, we say things that we don't realize, that Jesus knows what our heart looks like. Jesus knows what your heart looks like when we say things. He knows the condition of your heart. When we say we love a certain person, Jesus knows the condition of your heart, whether you do or whether you don't. We might fool that other person, but you're not going to fool the Lord. Remember, we studied scriptures in John. When we're studying the Gospel of John, Jesus knew what was in the heart of men. He knows what's in our heart. But this relentance doesn't last very long. Let's look at verses 8 to 11. 
And there was a war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty bow, and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. But he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and kill him in the morning. And his wife, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So much for the king saying, it's all good. It's all good. Hang out. I got a headache. Play some songs for me. David knew God was with him. But he's sitting there playing this song. And all of a sudden he looked over and saw sitting there with a spear in his head. He's like, wait a minute, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> David has a great victory. But once again, Saul is angered by it. Why does success bug people? Why does success bug people? Look at somebody who is successful, and you know sometimes people get resentful because they're successful. It's, it's an interesting concept. It's, what it is, it's, it's sin. It's covetousness. It's covetousness. I want what they want. I should have that. I should be as rich as them. What's wrong with me? I should have that. Tries to pin David with the wall with a spear. It's an old trick. It's a subtle guy, isn't he? I just like to have this guy as a father-in-law. Holy mackerel. I bet he's great around the dinner table. You know what I mean? Don't reach for any food. You'll probably get a fourth stuck in your hand or something like that. Saul's being driven by Satan. The Lord is allowing this discerning, this distressing spirit to come upon Saul. And Saul's being led by Satan. He wants to kill. And he swears, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. This is the second time he goes back on an oath. He's going back on his oath. And poor Mikael. Poor Michael or Michelle or whatever you want to call her. She's stuck between a rock and a hard place. The man she loves is over here and her father's over here. And her father wants to kill this guy. And she's stuck in the middle. She's got a bad place. She's got a really bad place. She saved the day. Even though she was Saul's daughter, the great conflict that happened, she saves the day. She told David what was going on. She made the right choice. She supported her husband. And you know what the neat thing about this is? We don't have time to read the psalm. But if you want to read Psalm 59, if you want to read Psalm 59, this was what David wrote the night the men watched his house. When the men were watching the house in Psalm 59, I have it marked right here. It says, The assured judgment of the wicked... To the chief musician set to do not destroy at Mitchum of David when Saul sent men and they watched the house in order to kill him. So David writes this song. First words, he says, deliver me from my enemies, oh my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. It's a beautiful psalm. You should read it in your, in your free time. Psalm 59. Can you imagine? All, David knows what's happening because he was told by his wife, and he immediately goes to the Lord and he starts to sing. He starts to sing. What an example. In hard times, David's singing to the Lord. David's praising the Lord and singing to the Lord during horrible times. These guys want to kill him. These guys want to rip him apart. And he's singing to the Lord. No wonder he's a man after God's own heart. No wonder. But his wife... In verses 11 through 17, 
Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and kill him in the morning. And his wife told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So she let him down. She let David down through a window and he went and fled and escaped. And she took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair on his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed, that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair on his head. Then Saul said to his daughter, Why have you deceived me like this, and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And she said to Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Now the image she used is called a terrapin. It's called a terrapin. It's a household idol of fertility and good luck. She put that. The ancient Israel, they used to use it to help them worship God. They used to use it to help them worship God. Now, supposedly, they didn't worship the terrapin. These were the little idols that, um, who was uh, Jacob's, the one he loved? Was that Rachel? No. Yeah. Was it Rachel? Leah and Rachel, right? Yeah. Was Rachel who stole from her, from her dad Laban. These are the little things that she took them and hid when they, when they escaped, remember? When they escaped from Laban's thing, and he came and they found them, and she had these little idols, and these were terrapins. These were little things that they, she had. They didn't think that there was true worshiping God, but they had no business having these things. But she had them, and it helped David. It helped David. It shows she did have a good relationship, but the relationship with God, her relationship with God was weak. Because she didn't have a father to teach her about the relationship with God. Since Saul didn't have a relationship with God, how could he teach his daughter to have a relationship with God? Her relationship starts to fall apart with God and David, and therefore they have problems. And we'll see that in 2 Samuel. The saddest words, I think, in these scriptures is when Saul says, David is my enemy. That hurts me. I have people who I argue with I have people who I'm not friendly with. I have people who don't like me, and I have to say I have people whom I don't like. But I would never call them my enemy. That seems really, really harsh. It seems against God, enemy. That's, for some reason, that seems like a very, very harsh word. David, uh, Saul considers David his enemy. I, 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 that bothers me for some reason. He was really Saul's friend. He did more to help Saul than anyone else that we can think of, but he was an enemy and was sad. So let's finish out the chapter. So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naioth. Now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is in Naioth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent another messengers and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time and they prophesied. Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great well, at which is at Sihu. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, indeed, they are at Naoth in Ramah. So he went to Naoth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Ramah in Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets? This is an interesting piece of scripture. 
This is really an interesting piece of scripture. Saul sends people to get David, and they're touched by the Holy Spirit, and they start prophesying. Now, they're not talking about future things. They're basically praising the Lord. Praising the Lord can be prophesying. Prophesying is bringing forth God's word. It doesn't have to be futuristic, although sometimes it may be. So they all come and they're prophesying in the presence of Samuel and the other process. But Saul's wicked. He persists. He sends more and they start to prophesy. So we have this great big worship service. They're all standing around worshiping the Lord as the Spirit is leading them. You don't think God has David's back? You don't think God really has David's back? All these guys are coming to kill them. Now the Holy Spirit is upon them and they're worshiping God. What a wonderful time. This is pretty cool. They're basically, the idea here is they're speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's a spontaneous praise report. They prophesied. They were caught in the atmosphere and they gave devotion to God as the Spirit came upon them. It's an unusual work for the Spirit to come upon men who didn't seek after God who did not long to be filled with the Spirit, but God did this to protect David. God did this specifically to protect David. It was his way of disarming everybody who came to get them. How do you want to kill somebody when you're praising God? When you're standing there shouting the Lord's name and praising him. And it was also a warning of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what was happening. They came up with their swords drawn, and all of a sudden they went, Let's praise God. They started praising God. It was a warning of the Holy Spirit saying, leave my David alone. I'm with him. Don't touch him. See, we're protected. We don't realize how much we are protected, but God has us protected. Saul didn't get the message, so he goes. And he ends up prophesying too. He ends up sitting there with the whole gang, and they're all singing praises to the Lord. Spirit came upon him just as before. Now it says he stripped off his clothes. Whether or not he was naked or not, we don't know. It says that he was naked, but the the verbiage says that he stripped down to his undergarments. But he would not humble himself before God, so God found a way to humble him. God was humbling Saul before himself. God was humbling Saul. It's unlikely that he did get naked, but he probably took off his priestly garments and stuff like that. We can be affected by the power of God and it results in amazing experiences. But if we're not surrendered to the power of God, our lives won't be changed. And this is the problem that I see with signs and wonder. People are drawn to signs and wonders and their lives aren't changed. They just seek signs and wonders, seek signs and wonders. But when we surrender to God, when we surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, our life is changed And we experience a changed life. The last thing we read in in, in chapter 19 is Saul among the prophets. Remember they said this before in chapter 10. They were astonished when they they learned that Paul became a religious enthusiastic. Has anybody ever told you, oh, so you got religion, huh? I I was told that once when I started talking about the Lord. Oh, so you got religion. That's what they're saying about Saul. He got religion. Saul got religion. He's prophesying. But he was an unspiritual man. He was an unspiritual man from the get-go. And he never, ever got that spirit. He never, ever kept that spirit, even though God gave him the spirit when he was anointed as king. Can you imagine what God could have done with Saul? And here's an example, and this is where we'll stop. Here's an example of someone who could have done great things for the nation of Israel had he only 
surrendered to God? Had he only surrendered to God's spirit? Had he only made a, a comment and came towards God? If you draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to you. Some of us just sit around and wait. Oh, God, do a great thing. Do a great thing in me. But what are you doing? Are you seeking him? Are you looking for him? Are you reading his word? Are you studying? Are you fellowshipping with the saints? Are you doing the things that, that you need to do to get close to God? He says, draw nigh to God. That's an action verb. An action verb doesn't sit down and go, okay, God, fill me. Here I am, fill me. No, you draw nigh to him. You come to him. You come close. Saul never did this. Saul never wanted to have a relationship with God. See, God saved you so he could have a relationship with you. Not so you could do some wonderful, wonderful work. That's a bonus. If that happens in your life and you do a wonderful work for God, what a bonus. But he saved you for one purpose and one person only. So you could have fellowship with him. So you could have a relationship with him. That's why he saved you. I've told you this before. He didn't save me so I would be a pastor. He saved me because he loved me enough to forgive my sins and fellowship with me. Spending time with me is most important on his agenda. And it should be on mine too. It should be on my agenda. I should want to spend time with God. I should want to read his word. I should want to pray. I should want to fellowship with my brothers and sisters. That's what I should want to do. But Saul didn't want any part of that. And now he, he's ended up to this egotistical maniac wanting to kill. This just shows you how far someone can slide. Paul was given the Holy Spirit, but God took the Holy Spirit away. Back in the Old Testament, that's what could happen. The Old Testament, God could give the Holy Spirit and take the Holy Spirit away as he worked through the Old Testament. Those of us who are born again have the Holy Spirit living within us. And we need to stir up that power in the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so the power will go forth. The dunamis power of God. So we can be witnesses for him. So we can testimony for Christ. Waste what God has done in your life. Don't waste it by sitting around doing nothing and waiting for him. That's what I see Saul do. He wasted what God wanted to do. Yes, it was God's plan for David to be king. I'm not going to argue that. We know the scriptures. But what's called, what the could have been. You know, in baseball, they have that word, potential. It's a killer word. When a, when a young kid is drafted into the major leagues, they go, oh, he's got potential. It's usually a kiss of death because they never amount to anything. But God has given us so much potential through his Holy Spirit. He's given us so much potential to do wonderful things and to see him for who he really is and to, and to get to know him and to love him. And when we start praising him in the midst of our sorrows, in the midst of our problems, it's a whole new realm that God wants to show you and wants to see you at what you can do. It's a wonderful realm. We're going to continue on and we're going to, we're going to see time after time where Saul is thwarted in his chances to get to David. But I love David. David runs away. David doesn't stand and fight Saul. He's always running. He always goes away. He runs away to get away from the problems. He's not trying to avoid. He's just trying to avoid things. Even when he's in the cave and Saul comes into the cave, he has a chance to kill him and doesn't. He says, I can't touch the Lord's anointed, still respecting the fact that Saul was still king. I love David. You are sure. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.